Hey, welcome back to the Mono y Mono podcast, the podcast that debates hypothetical one-on-one basketball games between current NBA players, retired athletes, fictional characters, celebrities, you name it, and we're going to talk about who we think would win in the game. I'm joined here by my two best friends, Lauro and Austin, and we'll, we'll bring a, some analysis. What's going on? Today is the All-Star Weekend. Any thoughts on uh, any events going on? Uh, yeah, so... Um... I'm really excited, first of all, for the three-point challenge. Uh, my two favorite players, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, are in it. I can't wait for all the shit-talking that they're going to have during the game or during the challenge. I'm excited for the skills challenge. They got some good uh, players this year, too. Uh, the only thing that's a little underwhelming is the dunk challenge, which I guess is headlined by Anthony Simons. And I don't even know who the other two players are. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I would say it's it's headlined by Obi Toppin. He he uh, was a college uh, dunking Knicks sensation, there. Knicks boy. He's he's playing a little rough this year, but he's showing signs that he can do a little something. Defense is super rough, but he's kind of like a Mari Stoudemire esque. If you if you don't know who he is, he can dunk the ball. He got a little shot, and I think I think he's the favorite. I mean, I think the ignorance came out a little early this morning. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, here's, the, here's the thing, though. No, big guys always struggle in the dunk contest. I don't I don't think Toppin, you know, he's a great in-game dunker. I've never seen him outside of a, a through the legs, right, do anything too special. Guy I'm looking at is Cassius Stanley. He's a two-way player for the Pacers. The underdog. The Not very many people will know who he is, but that man can fly. 6'6 on the wing, 44-inch vertical. He's got some great dunks. You can see on his YouTube channels back from high school. I don't I don't think he's going to have much competition out there tonight. Damn. I, I don't I don't have never seen him, never really heard of him, but I feel like a lot of players make their names known at the dunk contest. Like Jarek Jones Jr. wasn't really a household name and then he just dunked the lights out and everybody was like, Oh, he he's actually a pretty good rebounder now. And also also Lauro, your two favorite players are Celtics. You don't even have a little variety. Like what what a lane, bro. I mean, yeah, my favorite player is Luca, but I still like watching Giannis and KD and John Wall. Like, damn. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> I'm a homer. <laughs> Um, and it's the, those are the two players I watch the most. I mean, obviously, I like uh, all the other big name players. I love uh, I love Steph Curry. It's one of my favorite players to watch too. Okay, uh, I love Jokic. I love Giannis. Yeah. So, but Tatum and Brown are my two go to guys, and they're the future of the NBA. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that the the bigger future would be Embiid and Simmons because they're playing better, but they actually look like they might be out of the All-Star game today because of their barber or some some type of contact tracing, which I think I don't understand why you can't just give a test. And if they result negative, uh, even one or two times they can play, but I understand the, the precautions. And then I understood the precautions and then saw that they played in Atlanta, the all-star game. And I don't know if you guys have any friends in Atlanta. I have one or two. And then I, I know people in Texas, I've seen Snapchats or posts. And, and from that, Georgia didn't shut down at all during COVID at like, they were partying. I saw clubs were lit. Like, I, I don't understand how the NBA thought going to Atlanta was a good idea. Any, any thoughts on that? I don't talk about politics on this podcast. <laughs> I, if, if it's politics territory, you know, I'll just back away. I just thought it was kind of crazy, but fine. You know, I'll, well, I'll back we, away. Can we talk about how the barber strikes again in the NBA? <laughs> like, didn't we lose a bunch of plays in the beginning of the season because of a barber? Or maybe it was last year during the bubble? No, I, don't uh, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John Wall. Well, John yeah. Wall, the Rockets. Wall yeah. Listen, man, I don't, crazy. I don't blame these barbers. Them. They're on TV all the time. If I had to worry about my hairline, I would make sure it's straight all the time. If I was on TV, that's, I don't fault them for that. They just got to make sure their barbers on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got to get some, some barbers on their stuff, but yeah, it's, it happens, you know, but uh, yeah, today we're going to go one-on-one. We're going to go, Steph Curry, the king of shooting, modern NBA, ushered in pretty much a whole new era of thinking how we play basketball uh, against Gary Payton, considered the greatest defensive point guard in our time. Uh, I'm going to be arguing for Gary Payton. My boy Laurel would be arguing for Steph Curry and Austin here will be the judge. I'll quickly go over the rules again. We've got to make sure we are on level playing field. Everybody knows. So the game is to 21 points. Three pointers are worth two points. Anything else is worth one point. 
it's going to be loser's ball, meaning if you make a shot, the other person gets the ball. we got to make sure these contestants can play defense. It's not just an offensive game. Uh, we're going to call our own fouls, meaning if you get fouled, uh, if you think you get fouled, you're going to call that and the ball, you're going to get the ball back. The other person can argue, talk shit, but it's really, really can't do much on that. And am I missing anything, fellas? No, I think you're good. Okay. All right. Well, I will let Lauro argue his case for why Steph Curry would beat Gary Payton in a one-on-one. All right. Let's get to it. Uh, So I think it's very obvious uh, what year I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose 2015, 2016, one of the best seasons for almost any NBA team. For the Warriors, they went 72 wins that year. It was Curry's MVP season. He he was scoring 30.1 points per game. He had 2.1 steals. He was getting 5.4 rebounds a game, 6.7 assists. He was shooting 45% from three. Uh, had an eff- effective field goal percentage of 63%. He was just destroying the league that, that year. Also, I think this format that we're going with, the twos and ones, actually skews the stats Steph Curry even more because the two-pointer becomes much more valuable being being worth double the points, right? Quick math, quick so, math. Yeah, a little quick math there. Um, <laughs> so let's get right into the numbers here. So Steph Curry, his physical profile, um, he he's at a height of 6'3", wingspan of 6'4", so not, not much length there, <laughs> um, and a weight of 190. So he's just a little heavier than I am, so that's not much. But he, as we all know, is dangerous offensively, literally anywhere past the half-court line on the court. He led the NBA in field goal percentage on layups at 68.7% that year. He was third on corner threes at uh, an effective field goal percentage of 71.9%. He was only behind the sharpshooters, J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver, who everyone knows are just lights out. He made 51.6% of shots between the 28-foot Twenty-eight feet from the basket and the half-court line, so that was more than like I think ten teams combined um, that <laughs> year. So he could literally score from anywhere. Uh, he had a PR of thirty-one point five, which was the best for a guard since MJ's ninety-one uh, ninety ninety-one season. In the season that MJ had a seventy-two win season, he had a PR of twenty nine point four. So he. Blew that out of the water. Can you explain um, PER for those that don't know what that means? Player efficiency rating. Uh, I'll let Austin handle that because I uh, he has a better way of, of describing these things than I do. Sure. For those listening here, uh, I'll start off with effective field goal percentage, which Laura referenced first, right? That is a, a field goal percentage of shots taken that balances out uh, the point differential of making a three-point shot versus a two-point shot. Uh, it balances, uh, you know, your percentage to show what you would really be shooting if those are equally weighted. PR uh, is, of course, from John Hollinger, former executive uh, with the Grizzlies, came out in the early 2000s. It was a, probably the first metric in basketball that really was widely available that showed some positive correlation with identifying how good players were. Uh, unfortunately, over the years, it's kind of, you know, not exactly the most accurate measure or the most forthright measure at this point. Uh, it's very biased towards big guys. I wouldn't recommend using it in your player analysis at this point. But mm-hmm. if you're looking for elite level seasons, it is a good way of kind of bucketing people to see there. Uh, it doesn't offer much granularity, uh, but it is a definitely a good measure when you're comparing the best guard season to MJ. That definitely shows us a great season. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate that. Uh, as um, by the way, Austin is our numbers and stats guy, so we're probably sure. going to jump in every now and then to describe things that I probably can't describe as clearly as he does. That season, Steph Curry also hit 200 contested off the dribble threes at a 42.5 percent clip. So that was more than 26 teams that season as well. So clearly, Steph Curry is a dangerous. That's a real stat because that sounds ridiculous. I got the source. I have the source. I will send you the source. It's at ESPN. It's on ESPN. Wow. No, no, I know. It's just it's it's shocking. You yeah, forget over the OD. years. It's a, it's incredible, and I'm telling you how how you can imagine that Gary Payton is going to stop a guy that's doing all of this is beyond me. Being oh, like you'll a see. point of a team, you'll see. This was before Durant, by the way. Uh huh. Don't you forget. Uh-huh. Um, and th- 
Steph Curry's not only a great shooter, he has incredible handles. Uh, handles. He has a diverse offensive skill set. I think people just think of him as a three-point shooter, mm-hmm. but he um, he can do everything, really. he's Obviously, he has a step-back three in his arsenal, which has become very popular over the recent years. He's got a nasty crossover. He can finish with both hands, uh, an incredible floater. Um, I actually have some more stats here. By the way, oh, you came correct out, this week. You I want to correct. shout out Matt Pontrelli, our boy <laughs> Punch. Uh, he said that I don't bring enough analysis into the game. So <laughs> bringing in all the numbers I can this time around. Uh, so for floaters that season, he was 53.3%. Driving shots, he was 83.3%. Runners, he was 75%. And layups, he was 75%. So he was... Absolutely incredible that season. And then I'm sure you're going to bring up Steph Curry's defense. I'm very, I'm positive. So I'm going to try to <laughs> hit that before you do. Um, so I'm not going to argue that Steph Curry is an incredible defender. I am going to argue that he's an incredibly underrated defender. Okay. Um, he's at the very least serviceable on defense. Uh, he's So he was number one in steals, as I mentioned. He was uh, averaging 2.1 steals per game that season. Uh, He was also number one in 2016, 2017, and number five in 2017, 2018. I know that doesn't matter, but just to give you an idea, it's not just a one-off season. Like, he did this consistently. He's always active defensively uh, with his hands, with his footwork. Even on 1v1, he's he's more physical than, like, you would think for being kind of a smaller guard, like, not that that heavy, obviously. But uh, he's always quick, active on the ball. He guesses well in isolation moves and pull-up jump shots. And obviously, we all know that he's played with some of the better defenders in the NBA that season. He had Draymond Green and Clay on his team, and um, he definitely played with them in practice. Um, so I'm sure he learned a lot from them. There's also a stat, another stat here that I don't even know if Austin knows. Uh, DFG differential, defensive field goal differential, is basically the percentage difference from an opponent's normal field goal percentage and that from when that player is guarded by a specific player, in this case, Steph Curry. So in 2015, the regular, for the regular season, players shot 2.8% less efficiently being defended by Steph Curry, and the playoffs was 4.5% less. Um, that was first place and 11th place, respectively, for both regular season and playoffs. Um, and he did the same in 2016, 2017. He had really good numbers for those. So I think he can hold his own on defense. Um, Gary Payton is obviously a lot more physical than he is, but I think he can kind of stay on top of him. And then I think the offense is just going to take him over the top. Like I said, he can shoot from anywhere. Gary Payton's pretty much going to have to press him once he passed the half court line. Uh, well, I guess he's not going to have to do that, but because <laughs> it's not going to be a full court game. But he has that in his arsenal if he has to. If he wants to back up a few feet, <laughs> um, you can shoot it over Gary. And uh, Gary's not going to be able to do anything against him. So um, I, I think Gary's going to obviously, like, like you said, he's one of the best defenders uh, like for point guards in the, the NBA. So I think he'll make it tough on Steph. Uh, but I think Steph's just three-point shooting prowess and his versatile off, uh, like arsenal of offensive moves, I think he'll beat Gary. And I think it'll be uh, like probably, let's say, 21 to like 21 to 12. Wow. The, the two-point shot is going to take him there. Cause wow. The, like, Gary's not known for his three-point shooting either. That wasn't – he didn't play in the modern NBA. That's not like his thing. So Interesting. Right. Interesting. It, Interesting. Uh, well. You want to call it quits right now? Just wave the white flag? That's cute. That's cute. I mean, everything you said, Steph Curry, I love watching. He's an, he's an incredible player, but I don't think he has what it takes against Gary Payton. Uh, I'll tell you why, buddy. So I'm going to pick the 1995-1996 Gary Payton season, which is the year he won Defensive Player of the Year. He is the only part point guard in NBA history to have won NBA pl- Defensive Player of the Year, which tells you it usually goes to a big man, sometimes some wings that are really – can guard all of the positions, which makes them super versatile. But if you get a point guard that's defensive player of the year, that means whoever he guards is not scoring. He didn't get the the nickname, the glove for no reason. Uh, I was also back and forth between 95, 96 or 1999, 2000. That was his best scoring year. Um, but he was a little older. He's 31. He maybe lost a step. So Gary Payton, by the way, is six foot four. So one inch taller than Steph Curry. Same weight. 
but has a 6'8 wingspan, so four inches longer wingspan than Steph Curry, which I think will come into play tremendously during this one-on-one. So that 95-96 season, he played 81 games. He averaged 19 points, four boards, seven assists, and three steals a game. His team went to the finals that year. Uh, He lost to Jordan. Most teams in the 90s lost to Jordan, so you can't really knock him. Um, But leading a team, him and and Sean Kemp, to the finals – and the West is is no small feat at all. He had to go against Himalajuan Rockets, I believe the the Lakers, maybe. Uh, anyway, so in this matchup, Stockton and Malone, anybody? Yeah, Stockton and Malone. Yeah, and he also Gary Payton said that was the hardest person he's ever had to guard after Michael Jordan. But so that year, I want to put into perspective how good Gary Payton was at defense. So in the finals, he had to go against. Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan, obviously in the finals averaged over 30 points a game, every finals that he's won to, except for this one. And the coach of that team, George Carl was a little hesitant in the beginning of the finals to put in Gary Payton against Michael Jordan to guard him because guarding Michael Jordan is no easy feat. That is really tiring and it lacks options to give him offensively. If he's going to give so much gas when he guards Mike, but when they went down Oh three and the coach was like, screw it. We're going to just put Gary Payton on. So in the beginning, the first three games, Michael Jordan was averaging 31 points a game with five boards, four assists, and two and two and a half turnovers. He was shooting 45% from the field, 50 from three, 80 from the line. When Gary Payton guarded him, he averaged eight points less, 23 points a game. He shot 10% less from the field goal. He shot 11% from three. Remember, first three games was 50 the second, last two games, 11% from three. And then the free throws, 83%. That's not going to do much. But he's ne- Michael Jordan has never in his career shot those lower percentages in any of the finals ever besides the one Gary Payton was guarding him. And if you think that it's – I mean, one would argue in a game it would be harder to guard Steph Curry in a five-on-five because he's moving around screens a lot. He's not as, as focal because he, he plays very well off-ball. But when you're playing one-on-one Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's playing one-on-one basketball and everybody's cutting out because it's triangle. They're going to play stationary. And Gary Payton's guarding Michael Jordan one-on-one and making him shoot 11% from three-pointer and dropped off 10% from his regular twos, which were his bread and butter. So I'm sure when the regular twos are working, Gary Payton gave him a little space, couldn't hit the three when, when he was doing it. So I think that alone will say Gary Payton is not letting Steph shoot threes. He knows Steph wants to shoot threes and he's going to right when he checks up the ball, he's going to be sniffing what Curry had for breakfast. That's how close he will be. He is, is a smart guy. Strategically, he's going to give up these ones. He goes probably score as many ones as you want. It's not going to be easy. I'm going to foul the shit out of you. Also, you can call your fouls. That's fine. But it's going to be physical. You're unlike you argued last week, Kevin Garant against Kevin Garnett it's going to be wear and tear after like 10 10 it's like oh crap like I got to keep shooting when he's hacking the shit out of me or he's just in my face when he's not hacking me secondly you say that Gary Payton can't really shoot threes Gary Payton was a pretty above average three-point shooter for his time he wasn't like a he wasn't a sniper but he was above average and he wasn't afraid to take the three he was 32 percent from three that year which again for that time wasn't wasn't bad for the amount of threes they were taking but Gary Payton is very underrated maybe if you don't know him very well his bread and butter as a point guard was the post up he loved to post guards up meaning he's going to back you down because he's stronger than you the wingspan means he's going to shoot over the top of you at six four and be able to get those baskets now you say Steph Curry is an uh, underrated defender but when he was playing in that 2015-2016 season in the finals, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who who was guarding Steph Curry to make him choke and Andre Iguodala win the finals MVP? Do you, do you ever remember the defenders on him? I mean, LeBron was, wasn't guarding him for most of I mean, he's guarding for some of it, but do you remember maybe Iman Shumpert uh, ring a bell? Uh, Matthew Della Vadova? Our boy, the Henny God, J.R. Smith? These are the people that were shutting him down? I mean... If he can't, if he's boiling under pressure there in the NBA finals, he just came off one of the greatest seasons of a guard ever. And you're telling me the Australian Matthew Delavadova, mate, come on, mate, come on. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not too scared about that defending when he's in his grill. Now let's get on to arguably Gary Payton's bread and butter on the basketball court. 
trash talking. And I think you don't realize how deep, hateful speech that man Gary Payton gave. I have a few examples that I'm going to read off. Uh, I saw Kevin Garnett was interviewing Gary Payton in one of his old shows. I think it was Area 21. And he basically was like gushing over. He was the poster boy of trash talking and like inspired Kevin Garnett into trash talking. So you could maybe call him the trash, the trash talking godfather. If you don't think Gary Payton's not getting in Steph Curry's head, you have another thing coming. And this is from the words of Gary Payton himself in an interview. He says, my whole strategy to a guy was if I do what was really personal in his life, it wasn't really a good thing. But I'm telling you guys now that was me. That was just the way it was. You can hate me on the basketball court, but I would say sorry things to you afterwards. If I knew something about a person's mother, his sister, if he had just got a drunk driving charge, I'll go at that situation. It might be cruel to some people, but I would go at it all. So let's just say Steph Curry's family is in the spotlight, so to speak. His wife, Aisha Curry, has had some controversies about her hypocritical statements about her not showing her body too much because that's for her husband. And then about two years later, taking naked pictures on Instagram. And listen, I'm not judging you, but a lot of people are giving backlash for the hypocritical statements. So I don't know. And then he said about his his kids, he said something Um Another time I see, he said, perhaps one of the more instances he went too far. He was talking to Ricky Pierce in a game one of a 1994 playoff game. And he said at halftime, he was threatening to get his guns. And he told him he might kill him straight up. Just he might kill him. So I think Ricky Pierce was on his team, if I remember right. Uh, no, he was in uh, Denver. But oh, okay. there Maybe are, there the- are instances of him trash talking his te- own teammates. So. It's not out of this world for him to go completely left field and talk about Steph Curry's adorable children, which I don't condone talking crap about children, but Gary Payton will go there. And I'm not saying Steph Curry is weak mentally, but I don't think he's going to take very lightly to Gary Payton talking about his family. So, and and Steph Curry is a known family man. So, I mean, it's going to, it's going to really get to him. And (laughs) the worst of, of it all, admittedly, he didn't know. Lamar Odom's mother had passed, but he had trash talk Lamar Odom's mother while she had passed. So I'm telling you, mothers are not off limits. And we all know Steph Curry's mother is relatively an attractive woman in the public eye. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Well done well. Yeah, there's there's nothing Gary Payton won't touch on this basketball court. And I know that Gary Payton has a little fucking chip on his shoulder that no one talks about him being the one of the best point guards of all time. But they talk about Steph Curry, Magic Johnson, and Isaiah Thomas, where he's the only defensive player of the year of a point guard. He made it to the finals. It led his team to the finals multiple times, multiple all-NBA players. He was all-NBA first-team defensive of the year player for about nine years straight. It, and the man just didn't didn't quit. Iron Man played, I think, 79 games or more his first seven seasons. And after that, only when he was older was when he missed games. So you want to get physical, oh, he's going to still be there. Pride is on the line. There's, I, I don't think Steph Curry is getting off any twos at all. I think the score will probably be twenty one. I say twenty one sixteen. It won't be. It won't be a, a slaughter because Steph. That that stat of forty two percent contested was incredible, but I don't think the level of contested is going to be what Gary Payton's doing because a lot of these threes are coming off running off screens and yeah, you can get contested when somebody's chasing off a screen, but it's a little different when somebody is straight up and you have nothing to fight over. And I don't think Steph Curry's defense in the post will he's tissue paper down there. Gary Payton's going to score literally at will. He has the mid range jumper. If Steph wants to give him the three, he's going to hit that open three. That's nothing to him. So yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be close because Steph is incredible at shooting. And I think he'll still get shots off, but he's going to get hacked like a motherfucker. And I don't think he has any defense or strength to contest with him in the post. Well, I did not know Gary Payton talked that much shit, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) I am not worried. I'm not concerned. I don't think Steph Curry gets rattled by shit talkers. I mean, it's not like he's played like he's played with Draymond Green, who is one of the bigger (laughs) shit talkers of the NBA these days, but uh, probably not on the level of Gary Payton. I just don't see Steph Curry being rattled by these kind of things. He's shown time and time again that he's he's just consistent. He doesn't, uh, except for 
that one instance in the finals. <laughs> but I doubt that Matthew Delvedova that, was talking shit to him. Oh, I think he, I think he was talking. I always say he's like, my kangaroos, mate, they're better than you, mate. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't think that's what what took him off his uh, off his game, but I don't see Gary Payton stopping Steph Curry. Uh, I like you said, he's going to be on top of him. I think Steph Curry has the the handles and the versatility to to try to get by him instead. He doesn't have to shoot threes, like I said, and he'll probably still be shooting the threes. And if he does, if he shoots at the forty three percent clip, I'm not too concerned. The, those twos are going to get him. I don't see Gary Payton win this game at all. He is tougher, but Steph Curry is just more offensively gifted, and I think that'll take him over Gary Payton. I don't know, man. I think I think when he doesn't want to take those twos, that six eight wingspan of Gary Payton, one is going to stifle those shots a lot more, and two is going to be able to get him on the chase down blocks because Steph is not really a dunker; he's more of a layup guy, and layups are a lot easier to chase down block than dunks are, and I think. Also, Steph Curry, he's going to want to talk a little shit because Steph Curry has that swagger. You've seen him do a little shimmy after he does the, the three-pointer. Yeah. He, he, if, if Gary Payton hears one ounce of shit talking from Steph Curry, there was a time where Jason Kidd blocked his, his shot one time, and he looked at Jason Kidd and said, big mistake. Went on a 15-0 personal run and <laughs> won the game. And then jason kidd who is a uh, very much a disciple of gary payton they used to work out together gary payton has a lot of love for jason kidd i know austin doesn't um but gary payton does and <laughs> uh he said i went up to a game and said my bad i had no been a block but i forgot who i was playing i didn't mean to say that to you he said oh no you woke me up that day it definitely helped don't worry it'll never happen again so i think steph curry opens his mouth which he will gary payton will swallow him alive all right I'm uh, going to issue my judgment, and I'm also going to save my Jason Kidd tirade for when I'm sure he appears in a future episode. Uh, so <laughs> save yourself. We'll, we'll cue that one up. You can get that in a few weeks out probably. I'm sure he'll be soon. Uh, so here's the thing, guys. You know, I think you both presented a, a really good case. Lo, I was going to ask you for a little more details on how you saw Steph going about scoring, but you, you added some more in there. So I, th- I think that's good enough. Adam? This is this is you put forth a really good argument, and unfortunately, I I, I just can't get there. You, oh, you had me, you had God. me eighty five, ninety percent of the way. But if Gary Payton's backing down Steph every single possession, I just don't see how he's going to make up the difference. So I oh. would originally I came into this thinking it'd be like twenty one fourteen, and you know now I'll give it seventeen. I'll give Payton seventeen. Oh, I do man. think the physicality will definitely benefit Peyton I think he'll be able to to move Steph around wherever he wants but but the problem is again low low gave the numbers in this case you know the, the threes the contested threes Steph can shoot over anybody he's got the quickest release he's just going to keep backing up if he pushes up on him more man I, I just I'm not sure like I'm going to take Steph Curry's offense over any defense any day of the week because the lockdown on Jordan though, man, he shot 11% from three shot the worst percentages and points per game. I I don't have that copy and pasted, but (laughs) three games and uh, 11% probably one for nine. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you, you don't get Michael Jordan at 23 points a game. He's never, Michael Jordan has never averaged less than 28 or 29 points. We don't count the wizard seasons. I'm sorry. I mean, if you want to fine, but I don't think he's ever nearly averaged 23 points per game on any stretch. Like that man was scoring has the most like 60 besides Wilt Chamberlain. It's like the most 40, 50 point games there is. I don't think that can be slept on when you're up and Jordan's playing one-on-one Jordan's, mostly isolation the triangles uh, some movement yeah but it's mostly michael jordan posting up himself and taking it to the hole and i don't think gary payton would rely on those posts but i think that's like when the game gets to like 10 10 8 that's when the the fatigue a little sets in because gary's getting real physical that's when that post up those legs are getting taken out from steph because if steph's trying to run around gary payton in his shirt you're, you're not telling me that's not being tiring and when those when those legs get a little tired, the post ups are gonna be nice. I don't know. Oh, hurts my soul. You, you don't need to. You don't need to sell me. You. Uh. You. I'm buying all the arguments you're putting forth. I. It's just unfortunately, I 
I just I, I think the offense is is always going to have more effect than the defense. Um, and again, I you know you you brought me up a few a few points, so I think that's definitely you know going into this, it might not have been the evenest matchup. We went the offensive defense route here. You know, Gary Payton is obviously a great great player. Um, I'm not even sure that he's in the top seven point guards of all time either. And I wow. think Steph Curry will settle well within that. Um, wow, that's you know, interesting. I think. That's, Peyton's, that's disrespect. Peyton's a really good player, Definitely but top five. It's not disrespect. Five. If you look at the no, oh, I don't know. You want to you want to run through this real quick because I don't think he's in. I don't think he's number five. I say what? Magic, Steph, Isaiah Thomas, and Jerry is Jerry West a two guard or a one? You can, you can count West, but you got you got Stockton as well. Stock I that I would have considerably. Yeah, okay, over. Stockton. Okay, at this point Stockton. of his career, still with eight. Still Stockton's four, Gary Payton's five. Potentially in his career uh, at this point. I already put Steph at two. Steph's at two or three. Steph's at two or three for me. You can argue Isaiah Thomas because he's done it. He's done it as the main Oscar guy. Oscar Robertson. Uh, yeah. Oscar Robertson. Isaiah Thomas is definitely over him. Okay. Chris That's, Paul. No, he's Chris Paul is Chris Paul's than, not better than Gary Payton. Gary Payton. He didn't make. He's he's never led his Absolutely. team to the finals. Absolutely. He's not a good defensive. He's a better offensive, but not as good defensively. And he's never led his team to a finals. I'm taking Gary Payton. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Steve Nash? Never let us team to a finals. Yep. Two-time MVP. Uh, my least favorite player. I love Steve there, Nash, too. Jason it's hard Kidd. to talk shit about Steve Nash. Don't make me do it. Uh, Jason Kidd? That's arguable. He did lead his team to the finals twice in a row, and he did win it with my Mavericks, so I can't even hate on him too much, even though he is a questionable so, human. Like, my point is... I'm not trying to like diss on Gary Payton. I think he's I a great you. player. Offensively, he doesn't stack up with any of those guys. And as much as I love defense, I'm a defense first guy. It is a requirement for any team to win basketball. At the end of the day, if you can't score the basketball, I don't I don't see how I can fit you in that top seven. I don't know. The he's... level of those guys. Simply put, all the rest of them have much more offensive impact. I mean, he, but you did a hell right. of a job arguing it. Don't take take solace in that. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. That. I'm just I, passionate. You got the moral victory. <laughs> Adam, I commend you for scrounging up two two more points. <laughs> oh, fuck you. You did great. You did great. Can I celebrate now? I got my first win. Guys. Yeah, finally. Good for you, buddy. Woo! <laughs> it. All right. All right. Honestly, you are at a disadvantage. How are you going to go up against one of the best? I, I, we're gonna go over it again. One of the best shooters of all time, um, but yeah, I, I commend you. You you did great. Oh, Kudos, shit. Adam. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's the end of our first matchup. Steph Curry takes the W against Gary Payton. What's the score, Austin? Twenty-one seventeen. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like twenty-one seventeen, twenty-one eighteen. I, I definitely buy that. Like Steph is going to have to make a lot of shots, and maybe he's going to have to take a little bit more volume than he normally would. But again, I think you know the twos and ones makes a big difference. We're not talking, you know, threes and twos is already a disadvantage, but twos and ones is twi- twice as many. I think Curry probably makes you know between six and seven threes uh, in this game. He might have to take you know fourteen or fifteen shots to get there, but Peyton will still be at you know nine or ten at that point. So it, it'll be it's going to be a ways it's going to be a close one though you know this physical defense definitely will be an impact it, you know curry's not going to run away with it and you know i guess the point i was trying to make from a judge's perspective is that i think this is a much closer one-on-one game than it would be for actual basketball yeah i think i would agree with that i think steph curry i i would never argue steph curry is much more impactful with his offense in a five-on-five than gary payton's defense is in a five-on-five because you you basically have to make sure Steph Curry everywhere you know where he is everywhere on the offensive side where defensively Gary Payton's just shutting down one guy. All right, so I guess that's the end of the first match. Steph Curry again the winner against Gary Payton. So our second match today is going to be the king of video games himself, Mario from the Nintendo series, and his Sony counterpart, Crash Bandicoot. Uh, Laura will be arguing for Crash Bandicoot. Austin will be arguing for Mario. Again, game to 21. Same rules applied as before. Gentlemen, I'll let Austin go since he was the judge first. Why do you think Mario's beating Crash Bandicoot? Well, first off, I'd like to to compliment my uh, opponent today. Uh, Crash Bandicoot was the game that I always wanted to play and barely ever could. Oh, I Uh, loved uh, Crash, dude. I loved Crash. 
11-year-old Austin at the YMCA summer camp getting to play for, <laughs> for 20 minutes with 50 different people in the room uh, was, was the highlight of my career. And it was it was a joy, you know, great ex- first exposure to the game. So I, I'm relatively unfamiliar with most of Crash Bandicoot. So I, I will have a little some comebacks for low later, but not nothing too special. So just warning you in advance. As for Mario, why will he win? Well, first off, Mario is probably uh, the most exceptional athlete any character world or the real world of all time. He's incredibly versatile, incredibly versatile. The man has had numerous titles in every single sport with him as the headliner. If you're on the cover of the video game, you're clearly a good player. And he's on the cover of like (laughs) 13 different sports games. The man is a five-time Olympian. Uh, He can compete in every single event. You know, typically it'd be the decathlete, right? The person who can do the the 10 events in one, the track event, right? Well, he's not just in that one. He's in the sprints. He's in the shot put. He's in the javelin. He can do everything. Excuse me, Austin. Uh, Can can we go over his physicals? Is this Olympian? Oh, (laughs) of course. Of course. Right. Yeah. So uh, Mario's four foot 11, um, which was a little bit debated before the show depending on the source you know it, it's a little bit varied he's approximately 98 pounds which i'm he doesn't look like i, I don't know maybe that sure let's just go with it <laughs> anyways i low crash bandicoot was what how tall was he too while we're on that he's just under five feet so he's probably around the same height he's 4.9 feet i didn't convert it to <laughs> 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 just to be clear 4.9 not 4.9 4.9 noted like so so getting back to mario right so one of the things that obviously you know not every olympic sport is translatable uh to the basketball court but one that is is uh, the high jump and if we've seen from uh, any of the super mario games uh, those blocks are quite high for such a short man uh, I've seen some <laughs> estimates, and this is obviously unconfirmed research. So, Lo, if you'd like to do some while I'm speaking, uh, the estimates are that he can jump up to 20 feet, 25 feet high, <laughs> which <laughs> is two and a half basketball hoops. <laughs> I think that might be good. <laughs> not, not sure, um, but I think that's going to be a pretty advantageous. A, a time relevant, you know, pop culture, you know, the Space Jams, the Monstars, right? They could protect the rim, you know, quite that big. You know, Space Jam 2, shout out to LeBron for what appears to be the worst movie of all time about to be released <laughs> based on the plot. That was uh, oh, shouted out. Uh, I didn't see week. the plot. What was the plot? Oh, my God. So I hope this isn't true. And and this isn't just me being a crabby old man. This just sounded like patently absurd. So <laughs> apparently the storyline is that LeBron goes back through the Time Warner universe to different movies. So one was The Matrix. Some There was a couple other ones that he goes into. And essentially there's someone that stole his Instagram followers and he's trying to get them back. Oh, no. What have they done? Where oh, Where is no. our Tweety Bird? Tweety Bird, where I saw pictures Elmer of. Fudd? I saw pictures of Tweety Bird. And uh, I didn't see Elmer Fudd. I saw Lola Bunny. She looked updated. And Tweety Bird was there. That's the only, and I think I saw Bugs. But that sounds horrendous. Real bad. I mean, do we have <laughs> high hopes for this movie? Did we I, ever... I mean, I, I secretly love the Space Jam first one just because it was a staple in my childhood. But if we compare that plot line is Michael Jordan playing golf, and then he gets sucked into the golf hole and then goes to the Looney Tunes town and has to play Monstars for talents back. I mean, it's not the strongest of plots, but it's better than getting your Instagram followers back. As children of the nineties, you know, space jam is, is our thing. Uh, have you rewatched it? I have, I have. I, I actually, I was talking to um, my my mom's husband, and uh, at the time, you know, new husband. That's why I phrase it like that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, a little awkward. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he said that Space Jam was awful, and I had to ask him. You know, he's a little older, so yeah. I, I can appreciate that other people wouldn't like. It. He's a big sports fan, but mm-hmm. you know, it's not not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, I uh, as an adult, it's not going to hit exactly um yeah really got lost from a mario argument there so i'm gonna circle back now <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it space jams always yeah, have yeah, room yeah. on this podcast let's just say that <laughs> exactly exactly so you know mario's gonna get up 25 feet uh 
you know, that's going to positive be a positive on both offense and defense. You know, I think it'll be more for his rim protection. Uh, I don't think it's very fair if he just dunks every single time. Uh, I, I didn't see his long jump, although he was Olympian in that as well. I don't have the, the figures on that. So I'm going to focus on the high, the high jump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so besides that, right. Uh, you know, he did have a Mario basketball title in it and just like uh, in his, in his world and just like every yeah. other one, Mario is known. As, yeah, there was, it wasn't I never as popular saw that one. As, as many of the others. I, I always wondered if never they... played it. I'm going to look that up. I've never, I've always saw soccer. I've seen baseball. I've never seen basketball. Yeah. Golf, tennis. I mean, the man is very versatile. That's, that's the point. He was a good all around character and it just like everything else. I, I don't know if he was the best. Again, I haven't played it. I, I tried to get a copy in advance of the show, but it, it didn't come in in time. Uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> uh, so next for like how you play on the court. So I, I came up with a couple of different player comps and I got one old one and one new one for, for those basketball historians out there. And also for the, the new kids on the block that, that don't know the game past 2008. So uh, for our old school player comp, we're going to go with John Havlicek from the Celtics. Um, you know, I, a 20 point score, really good defender, really good passer, pretty much really good at everything. Not an elite player um, in any one regards, but he's going to be solid in every single aspect of the game. And because of that, he's, he's just a good, a good player. The modern day comp for that is Pascal Siakam. And this is, this is going to add in to my next point Spin move, the spin move. Mario is a plumber. He's really great at operating tight space, tight spaces. You've seen him in, <laughs> in low. If I screw this up again, I apologize. I know you're the super smash expert, but I believe Mario has a very excellent spin move. Can you confirm for me? I'm doing it on camera and you're not even looking. Uh-huh, at me. looking. Uh, I, yeah, that looks right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Siakam, obviously a, a good, a really good defender, someone that can push the pace in transition. Uh, you know, he's a solid three-point shooter, not a great one. He can shoot in the mid-range over people. Doesn't all the time. He's got a very good vertical. Yeah. Um, you know, he gets into the paint. He's going to spin right. He's going to spin left. I kind of see Mario the same way. He's going he's gonna to be heavily relying upon that spin move. And he can do it many times in a row without getting dizzy, which is going to be important with someone as fast as Crash on the other side. <laughs> That's where the footwork comes in. Now, obviously, Mario's been in every single game. The to, to be able to do all of these different events, uh, he clearly has a, a level of athleticism, uh, you know, to be able to pivot in the paint, to do some pump fakes, things like that. That's just natural to who Mario is. So, again, I'm thinking we're going to see, you know, the type of game he's going to play. He's going to drive a little bit. He's going to pull up a little bit. He's going to dunk some. He's going to shoot some threes. I'm not saying he's going to be great at any of them, but he should be damn good at all of them. And that's that's why I think Mario's going to take the cake in this one. Um, damn, I'd like to see your source on the 25 foot jump. Um, that is insane. I, I tried my, it's, uh, I tried my heart. Very easy to find. <laughs> you can type into Google, how high can Mario jump? And it, it, it should be there. I tried my hardest to find some stats on Crash Bandicoot's jump. They don't got, I don't think they had anyone calculating Crash Bandicoot's jumps, but um, yeah, that's, that's quite the, quite the leap. I don't know. I didn't know Mario could do that. I did watch a little bit of video on Mario's uh, sports, Mario sports mix just now. And yeah, he's quite the athlete running <laughs> around all over the place. Not very, I wouldn't say he's very agile or very, uh, very coordinated. He's kind of loafing around all over the place. But, um, so let's get to Crash Bandicoot. So like I mentioned before, he's just under five feet, 4.9 feet. His history, he's a genetically enhanced bandicoot made for for war, for combat. Dr. Nero Cortex created him to be the general of his, like, animal army. And something went wrong and now Crash is fighting against Dr. Nero Cortex. Your classic Frankenstein story. Um, So he was created for war. Basically, he has the, the, the strengths of a soldier. Like, he has strength, he has good aim, he has toughness. But he has the smarts, the strategy uh, of a general. Um, he has hops. Again, don't have the numbers on that. Uh, but anyone who's played, we've seen him hopping around. Uh, and he also has the double jump, which mm. is which is key here in this game. Again, I don't know how high he gets, but I'm sure he can 
at least meet Mario at the rim. Because um, Mario has to come down and dunk the ball. Let's see. He has he has his spin moves, his own spin moves. Um, he has the spin kick, which I don't know if you know this, but Mario doesn't talk. So it's gonna, he's going to have a lot of trouble calling fouls. Except for uh, – Excuse me, Mamma Mia. And, and, and Crash doesn't talk foul. either. Crash what? does yeah, not but Crash, talk either. That, that brings me to you my next point. You only can say one word. To. Crash doesn't have to. He has the toughness to boot. He, he – here's some more numbers for you, Podge. Uh, <laughs> Let's not direct this to him, all right? <laughs> he has taken 112 crates to the head and brushed it off like it ain't no thing. <laughs> he also has survived a 23 TNT crate explosion and lived to tell the tale. <laughs> Bandicoot is no joke. He can take a punch and an explosion. So let's let's get back to it. He has exceptional athleticism, uh, proficient at at parkour. There's a lot of games where he's just running through tracks, trying to avoid um, enemy attacks and avoid TNT crates. Uh, He's light on his feet. He also has this like a, a silent step mode or something like that, where he can jump on TNT crates and not explode them. So he's he's agile, he's he's nimble. He's also got the slide move, so he can, you know, slide in and around Mario. Uh Mario can't strafe, by the way. I've never seen Mario strafe. I've only seen him actually move forward. Um, I don't even know if he can back up. <laughs> so I've never seen him <laughs> back up. He only moves forward. Uh so his mobility is a little limited. <laughs> it, it must be the overalls and the boots. <laughs> um and then finally, as a last resort, Crash Bandicoot can throw on his tiki mask and become invincible. He's always got his tiki tiki buddy, I forget his name, as a companion. He throws on that tiki mask, he is unstoppable. He runs through whatever's in his way, very much like Mask Kyrie. Oh. That's not my player comp, by the <laughs> way. My player comp, I uh I chose I was between two guys because of how physical he's gonna be, roundhouse kicking Mario as he gets to the basket. <laughs> Uh, I chose Bill Lambeer or Bruce Bowen, the two of the <laughs> dirtiest players in the NBA. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I think he's gonna absolutely demolish Mario. Mario, oh, by the way, Mario's toughness is not is not there. Uh, we all know that one hit and he's out, unless he's like you know using mushrooms. Which brings me to my next point: Mario is on PEDs. <laughs> Are we going to condone the use of PEDs in this league? I, I whoa, 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 whoa! Setting this precedent. Okay, so, so first What's off, up? did you hear a mushroom or a star argument? No, in yeah, any, he didn't. any of the words I said. He didn't you brought out the mask. You brought out the mask, That's which means the mushrooms fair game. That's not a the mushrooms fair. He's not ingesting the mask. He might be absorbing Judge the energy. Really? He's he might be absorbing the energy, but again, I I am impressed by this mass Kyrie comp. Yeah, <laughs> but will he? Uh, my question is: After you're saying these comps, I know they're going to be playing. He's going to be playing dirty, but is he going to be playing like Bill Embiid and Bill Bruce Bowen? Because those are two different play styles. Like, how is he going to be scoring the ball? What what is the typical uh, go tos? No, he he's not shooting it. I'm telling you right now, he okay. is. He's getting through Mario, not around him, through him, and he is going to dunk it every time with his double jump. Um, is he, okay. Yeah, and, again, Mario – what is Mario known for? I know he's a plumber. What is, he, what is his goal? What is his purpose? Just, his purpose is to defeat Bowser. He, his purpose is to protect Princess Peach. Uh, and he agrees, yeah. awful. Because Bowser's yeah. trying to steal her. If we can't expect him to protect Princess Peach, how can we expect him to protect the paint? All right? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Come I'm on now. Saying, I'm just Come saying. Come on, he, is... he defeated Bowser many times. Yeah, but That's the yeah, goal he, of the game. He always has to go over and save Princess Peach over and over again. Why can't he just protect him right off the bat or protect her right off the bat? I... I wouldn't put him anywhere near the, the basketball court because I don't think he can protect the paint. I don't think he can defend. Crash is the chosen protector of his islands against the forces of evil and is undefeated. Mario gets hoodwinked time and time again. <laughs> I, 
Yeah, I don't know. I I don't see him beating uh, Crash Bandicoot unless he's on PEDs, unless he turns into Dr. Mario and prescribes some stuff, which is another thing that I don't condone. I don't think you should be prescribing, you know, medicine to yourself. So if we're going to condone that, I mean, I don't want to, I don't know if we want to set that precedent. Uh, but yeah, I think that Crash Bandicoot is going to be very physical, uh, knowing that Mario is not going to be able to call fouls. He's going to use his double jump to his advantage, and he's gonna he's gonna win this game, twenty-one two. Twenty-one two. It's gonna be a blow. Twenty-one to two. Okay, okay. So first off, first off, if you're gonna if you're gonna say all this physicality, I'm pretty sure Mario's used to it from going up against Bowser time and time again, and a giant man or character, <laughs> close enough, <laughs> right? With his big old his big old shell. He's always bashing into things. He's all power all the time. And Mario was able to take him down. Second off, hold on. Let me finish my second point first, then we'll come back to it. Because I was on a roll and you threw me <laughs> off. That was a good strategy. I was about to say, that might be a strat right there. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Ask the question. I got to come okay, back to my so, point now. So if Mario's not using his mushrooms or whatever, how many hits can he take from Bowser? Uh, I question. don't have the calculation in front of me. Just, Just one. Hypothesize. Hypothesize. Just one. He can only take one hit before he loses, before he dies. Oh, I wasn't going to bring the mushrooms and the stars into it because I didn't think it'd be fair. That's right. I didn't think it'd be fair because the star makes you immortal. But you brought the mask out, so I'm eating a star right before the game starts. I'm going to eat the star before the game starts now. So that's an important part. You're not going to be able to touch him. You're just going to bounce off of him. Anytime you get anywhere near him, you're done, right? So, So there we go. So do you want the mask or not? Which one do you want? I don't want let, let the judge inter, inter, yeah, okay, interject, okay, interject yeah, here. Sure. I think, no, no, we, we solved it ourselves. <laughs> I, I think the judge should have something to say. <laughs> I think that the star is OP, but I do not think a regular mushroom is. If he's going to wear the mask, I don't think – because there's levels to the mushrooms because there's like the fire plant that also – there's like different Marios. I think if if the mask is allowed, which – makes him stronger i think the mushroom is allowed but not the star because that's literally you can't touch him like that's a legit a thing you can't touch him but you can touch big mario and so to speak he doesn't always stay big mario you gotta remember that so is this like we go rock paper scissors no, to no, decide no. this because okay I, okay know, so are, are any I, more any more arguments any more arguments i have yeah a few yeah thoughts. i will the, the last one the last re, last rebuttal i wanted to give right mm-hmm. so first off I don't appreciate um, the, you know, callousness you're attacking Princess Peach with. Mario is in a healthy relationship where both people are independent and capable of living their own lives. And Princess Peach is able to take care of herself. So, yes, she does have someone coming after her constantly, stalking her, trying to kidnap her to take her. You know, she's given her first opportunity. Mario is there for her when she needs it. That's what's important. He's dependable. And in basketball, dependability equals victories. Dependability in a one-on-one it does not matter. I have a theory about Princess, Princess Peach. Peach cannot Absolutely. take care of herself. No, 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 no. I have a theory. I have a theory on P- Princess Peach. I think the first few Mario games, she really did get kidnapped by Bowser. She really didn't want to be kidnapped, and that was sucked. And then she grew in popularity. A lot of people started liking Peach. And there was like Mario Kart. You could drive her. Super Smash Bros. You could play her. But she never got her own game. And I think Peach didn't like that. And I think Peach realized that Bowser and her were really in this relationship together. Because they were not each getting their own games. So they were like, we might as well keep making this money. Bowser, just come scoop me. I'll take the money. She gets a larger cut because she's the one in distress. I think this is all a scheme of Peach because she's not getting the respect of getting her own game. That's my conspiracy. Either way, it happens every game. <laughs> uh, you know that phrase, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mario's been fooled every single video game. Mario does not have the smarts. He will be fooled and bamboozled and tricked and you can do whatever you want to him time and time again, and he will not learn his lesson. But he's not going to be able to adapt to Crash Bandicoot. He's not going to win this one-on-one game. So, so folks, I just want you to take note, and I know I say I don't speak about politics on this podcast. Oh, when a candidate's known they lost, they go negative, folks. Laura's gone negative. He knows he's lost, right? The score, I didn't mention mine. 
I'm going to give Crash with his speed. I think he'll fool Mario a couple of times. He'll then adapt the adaptability. I think it's going to be 21-14. I got Mario. 21 to 2. The disrespect for the one of the greatest athletes of all time. It's going to be a blowout. Wow. Wow. All right. That's that's tough. Before I make my judgment, I did look up that basketball game for Mario because I was actually very curious. I'd never seen it in my life, and I know if I'd saw it as a kid, I'd definitely have cop it. Uh, it was. It looks like a 3DS game, so one not one of the consoles that I actually had. But Mario did have his nickname was the Jumpman in that game, and he had everybody apparently had a special move, and Mario's special move was Fireball or Fire Dunk where it basically like he puts the ball on fire and then self alley-oops it to himself, which is pretty intimidating. If I was on a basketball court and I saw somebody light fire on a basketball and dunk it while they're holding it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'll give you that. Uh, it's just like, I think, I think that's a lot, but I think you both brought up some good points. I think, have you guys ever seen slam ball? Yeah. It was on spike yeah. TV. It was basically basketball with trampolines in front of the hoops. And it was just a bunch of guys like dunking on each other in contacts and just running. And I, that's how I envision this game going. I think this is just a bunch of dunking on each other. I think the spin move goes to crash because that's literally his bread and butter. And I think that's going to be tough to guard, especially if he can, I, I've seen Crash Game. I, I, I've played both games extensively, so I'm, I'm familiar with each of these movesets. And I've seen Crash just keep spinning in the air for a really long time. He which, he can yeah, he glides. Yeah, which is tough. Just one clip of a spin and he's there. But 25 feet jumping is insane. I'll just throw that out there right now. Jumping 25 feet in the air is crazy. That's but impressive. I, but he has to I, I, I know. That's what, that's what I'm getting to. I think at a certain point, the effectiveness of the height of your jump diminishes the higher you go because if it's only a 10-foot hoop. So Mario definitely has to come back down at least the 10 feet. There's going to be a 15-foot drop that Crash can wait and try to block the shot. Uh, so that's that. I do think the mask will favor, obviously, Crash because it's a little stronger. But I do think the the key here will be Mario actually shoots the ball. And that when you when you comp him Crash just literally dunking, any basketball player knows if you keep on doing the same move over and over and over again, it's a little easier after a while to defend it. And I think when dunks only count as one point it becomes a lesson in adaptation and i think mario has seen a lot of foes i don't i'm not i don't know why you didn't bring up super smash bros it's big one a big mario thing uh he fights a lot and he he can take he can take a punch uh i know crash i think crash is a tiny bit stronger just because he was molded by that he was created for that i think mario has seen a bit more moves that he has to have dealt with. And I think Mario has a bigger arsenal with his tools. And I know he's not going to be using those tools, but I think certain situations there's transferable skills there. So I think I'm going to have to give the edge to Mario only because of his experience, but it's really close because I think crash gets out to an early lead because those spin moves, those dunks, it's going to be bodying Mario. I think that he gets out to like a like an eight three lead, nine three lead, and then Mario Mario's twos will help him because I think he he does have the ability to shoot, which Austin pointed out, and and what you argued also, Lauro, is the math on it. If you don't, if you're literally trying to dunk the ball every single time, how are you going to get those twos? And I think even like even like if Mario hits like three or four twos, it doesn't even have to be like the Steph Curry. It was like he's shooting like 60 percent of his. I don't think Mario. I think that's the adaptation part of Mario. I think Mario's going to keep jumping with him. Mario's going to get some dunks, but he's going to realize that, like, I don't think I can really jump with this guy and like keep the contact. And I think if we were playing slam ball, Crash Bandicoot is the champion of slam ball. 
But if we're playing one-on-one basketball, I think I'm going to give the edge to Mario. I think it'll be like 21 to 14. I think the, the dunks will slow a little bit. And I think that adaptation of Mario also with his transferable skills as a, as an athlete being an Olympian Olympian has a lot of, I, I know we haven't actually seen the lateral quickness of Mario and him walking backwards, but I, I think, I think I've, I'm sure if All I pulled Olympic up, events go yeah, for exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think backstroke. <laughs> they can only move forward. going to win a basketball game. <laughs> I think uh, if we if we YouTube some videos, I think we would see at least a clip or two of Mario moving backwards. I think I'm I'm pretty confident about that. So I think I gotta give it to Mario, even though I don't think it's as it's as one sided as you think. I think the hops, even though Mario jumps 25 feet, the hops in the the versatility in the air goes to crash. I just think it's really hard to win on one on one when literally all you're doing is dunking the ball. Okay. Well, I had had to not bring up Super Smash Brothers whatsoever at all. Like I, I am I'm conversant about the game, but with Loro sitting on the other side, that would that would have been the death of me. Why? Why do you think that? Because Loro knows like every single thing about Super Smash Brothers. I've played him probably, I don't know, like seventy five to a hundred times in that game, and I think I won once. <laughs> Well, to be fair, you don't really like to commit to getting better at a game if you don't care about it. You just like to fuck around. Yeah. You're the king king of fucking around. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're overestimating my Super Smash Bros. prowess. (laughs) (laughs) Beating you in Super Smash Bros. when you hadn't played before is (laughs) not a feat that I I brag about. (laughs) Unless it's to you. Um, but, well, you knew every single character, all the maps. You were. Te- I, I'm, I'm not the right person for it. Let's put it this way: for someone else, that might have been a winning argument. For me, it was. I don't think it would have been. But well, also, also I, I have to say, I, I did a little bit of some negative research on Crash, and I really couldn't find too much. It, ca- it seems like a pretty solid character. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he can't he's, throw apparently, but he's lovable. I think he like threw. He, he has a lot of machines where like his sister is a very smart brainiac. He's just like kind of like mush brain but she like creates all these gadgets that he can use so he's not like stupid dumb like he's like oh how do you get into this like he uses all our gadgets so i think he get, gets a little less credit than that and he has like yeah. he drives cars he's crash team racing uh, you haven't you didn't look into the games crash bash i played as a kid with a bunch of my friends there's a little uh transferable skills there but i think overall it's 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 really hard to be mario but Crash yeah, is a worthy. The company. odds are the odds are stacked against Crash. Um, Austin, I want to commend you for a, a good win. Um, I think I don't I don't know if I'd be proud of just Adam making half of the arguments for you there, but um, I think that <laughs> <laughs> um, I only I made up one fireball. It was just fireball. I think the tag team there between you and Adam that was just going to be hard to beat, but. I talked about the gliding. I talked about the gliding, about this continuous spinning. You hadn't hadn't mentioned that. Well, I brought it up. Uh, I brought it up. We'll have to watch the tapes. (laughs) But, yeah, Mario's going to be – I didn't know Mario was an Olympian, actually, to be honest. Um, (laughs) Him and Sonic have gone to the Olympics many times, actually. Yeah, I forgot about that. But I don't know if you guys watched the challenge. uh, Oh, I have. I have this season. Oh, Oh, you have? Yeah. Lolo's an Olympian. Look where she, that got her. She hasn't won one daily challenge against a bunch of average Joes. Uh, I wouldn't call the challenge participants average Joes, but yeah, well, it's, it's true. It's uh, it's not an uh, walk in the park. I'll yeah. say that. So is this is Lola uh, Jones. But yeah, champion no. bobsledder. No, I don't think so. I don't actually no, know. I've never uh, seen her in the Olympics. I think she's a, uh, a runner, a hurler, or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think she's in track and field. Yeah. She was track and field, and then she went and just did the bobsled and won the gold medal. If it's her, oh, it's you're very right. impressive. You're right. She actually left the challenge, made the cutoff for the tryouts for that competition, and then won it. Yeah, that's true. Wait, she is a bobsledder. Yeah, she she switched. She's the, I think she was the only person that's ever won a summer Olympics and a winter Olympic gold medal. I'm not positive on that though. Don't quote me on that. It's a very it's a very cool story, but. Uh, Apparently, they did Johnny Bananas oh, take her out or something? I just quick Google searches E News. <laughs> Olympia Lolo Jones claims she was forced to quit MTV's The Challenge. Dun dun dun. 
Cancel culture, guys. It's everywhere. <laughs> but all right, I think we're going off on a tangent here. That wraps it up. We got first matchup, Steph Curry beats Gary Payton. And second matchup, Mario Beach Crash Bandicoot. But we want to hear what you guys have to think. And we actually have an Instagram and a Twitter. So please let us know. At the, the Instagram is mono underscore y underscore mono underscore podcast. And the Twitter is mono imano at mono imano two because I don't know who got the one, but I will do more research into that. Um, but yeah, let us know what you guys think, and we'll get back to you next week with another episode of Mono Imano. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Peace.